Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. What's so incredible about K-pop is it's a mix of different genres. It's like you take a piece of urban, right, or hip-hop, and you take a piece of EDM, and you can take a piece of this and that and mesh it up and then put it and turn it upside down. And then... On top of that, you have these beautiful kids, you know, with makeup and style and doing this beautiful choreography is a package. Welcome to Get Down with K-Town. I'm your host, Esther Choi. Hey, 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 guys. We are here recording in Atlanta. It is a beautiful Sunday afternoon, and I'm really thrilled to be here because I've heard so many great things about the growing Korean scene in Atlanta and how it's really popping off. I've been wanting to check it out for a while now and finally have an excuse to be here and talk to some amazing locals who will really break it down for me. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Heather Kim, who is a local Atlanta native, not born here, but was raised here. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for having oh me. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being here. Heather is the founder of Yuriko Music Group, or YMG Entertainment, the very first Korean-American female-owned record label in Atlanta, and YMG claims to be the first K-pop label out of Metro Atlanta. That's right. Is that correct? That is correct. So, Heather, originally your background was technically not even in the music industry at all. You were in tech and venture funding organizations before all of this. So how did this happen? How was YMG Entertainment born? I've always loved music. I had a passion for music. My father was a musician. In fact, he ran like a nightclub 
back in the 80s, one of the first Korean scenes. <laughs> I love this story. You have to, like, elaborate yeah, on the story. Yeah, so we immigrated to the States. I was born in Jeonju, South Korea. We immigrated to Atlanta. I've always loved music. My father was a musician. He played guitar. He sang whatever he needed to do to you know, feed the family. <laughs> and so we immigrated to Atlanta in 1984. There was just no Korean scenes or no Korean restaurants, hardly any, maybe one. But why Atlanta? It was just by chance. My mom happened to have some family members, some distant cousins who lived here. And so, you know, we came here. Very few Koreans then. Yeah, very few. It wasn't because of the city or the geography. It was just, oh, we know so-and-so of some cousin. Okay, well, well... It always happens that yeah, way, right? Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, we'll choose Atlanta. Um, and that was it. And so he ran this, you know, the shabby <laughs> restaurant, <laughs> hole in the wall. It was part of like a, probably like a Motel 6 kind of um, situation in downtown Atlanta. And during the day and mornings, it was a food stop for truck drivers. Uh-huh. Okay. And so what kind of food? Like diner food? Well, yeah, like burgers, you know, hot dogs, mm-hmm. right? And then at night, I mean, they rent, like, they work 24 hours. And so at night, they will shut it down um, after the food, tr- you know, truck drivers went to their motel rooms. And then <laughs> it would convert into this Korean nightlife. How? We, he just, like, randomly was like, I'm just going to do it, this. Yeah, like, he, um, you know, he was, he, he's a very social guy. And so he knew every Korean player, <laughs> all 50, <laughs> in Atlanta. And he just started, you know, using his resources. You know, he was uh, already a, a singer, or a guitarist. And so he just started playing live music and my mom's in the kitchen cooking Korean food, <laughs> Korean food oh, and awesome. was Anju 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 stuff uh-huh. and mm-hmm. they Did had you guys a, have soju too? Um, I don't know, but I know they had a lot of liquor <laughs> and <laughs> <course>. alcohol, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like Crown Royal and all that, right? And so, yeah, they just did what you see in the typical, you know, Korean market today mm-hmm. in, in the nightlife. And so they had live music, mm-hmm. you know, my father playing and stuff. And so... Was he playing Korean music? He was. He was doing that, you know, the 80s... Like Lee or... Yeah, like, uh, you know, Tejana uh-huh. or, you know... The, <laughs> These are some, like, very old school... Very, you know... Uh, Korean I forgot, I forgot K-pop. What it, yeah, before K-pop. Before K-pop. You know, I think it was called something else back then, right? Trot? Trot, yes. Imija. Yes, yes. You know, in fact, Imija actually came... What? She Atlanta? came to Atlanta and she had a concert and she had my dad playing with her because he was the it person. Yeah, and she was like, she was a very iconic Korean was, um, yeah. singer. She was like the most, yeah, one yeah. of the most influential and iconic. You know, In the seventies, or was it the eighties? I think it was the set. She she must have started really like maybe seventy. I, mm-hmm. I don't know the facts, mm-hmm. something like that. But yeah, but she was still very popular and has had this fame in the eighties as well. And so it was a very big deal when she came. That's you a know, huge deal to Atlanta. to Atlanta of all places. Yeah. <laughs> was it because of your father? I don't think so. But somehow they hooked up, and mm-hmm. he was he he was her guitarist. That's you know, amazing. And, but he was it. You know, there was nobody else, And so really. you were growing up in this scene where your family was all into music. Yeah, we lived in the restaurant. You know, I was five, you know, no more than five. My brother was probably four. My, my sister was just born with a baby. And so back then, you don't have things like Care.com, you know, and you, know, you bring your children to the— <laughs> And so we lived in the storage unit right next to the walk-in freezer, and we would witness my parents working, you know, 
all day. My, my mom in the kitchen and my dad out there entertaining the guests at night. And that really influenced your love for music. I think so, yes. That's where sure. when it started to blossom. I, I loved it. Um, he'll bring home his keyboard and I would play by, by ear, just whatever he was playing. I'll pick up on it and play. And But you didn't go in that direction. No, um, I didn't because they were the, you know, first-generation immigrants and they wanted a better life for us. And so it was more, hey, you know, get good grades, stay in school and do something better than us, right? Yeah, always. <laughs> and so it was It was not the music. It was not restaurant. You better do something else where it was worthwhile for us to bring the entire family. <laughs> go get a white collar, you know, go get yeah. a job or be a doctor, you know. Always be a doctor or a lawyer. Or just, you know, something where it's going to get you out of this, you know, kind of. Because at the time, we, you know, it was a hard life. It was, yeah, we were, th- their, their business was blossoming and everything, but... We lived in East Point, Atlanta, which is, you know, not the greatest part of Atlanta. I mean, there was gang fights mm-hmm. outside. Um, and, and so it was that that culture, the subculture we were living in. And so um, it was a very kind of rough kind of neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so I think they were associating that lifestyle, the nightlife and all of that with that. And so I think in their mind, this is not a sustainable living or mm-hmm. lifestyle for, for our children and family. So they ended up leaving that diner and doing something else? Yeah, or? so and they came in with nothing, like, literally a few hundred bucks in their pocket. And then um, they built enough savings. Like, they, they just didn't spend. Yeah. You know, like we didn't have, <laughs> you know, I don't remember having AC. And <laughs> this is like a very typical immigrant <laughs> yeah, story, Yeah, we, we, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. You know, the, only, the one of the reasons w- what triggered us to leave was my mom always got shot. She was sleeping in her bedroom, and the gun. There was a there was a fight upstairs, the apartment oh above us, gosh. and there were gunfighting. Oh my <laughs> and god! And the bullet hit. It dropped through the ceiling and literally landed in between her legs. <gasps> and that's insane. That night, she said, "Okay, we're going to pack up our stuff and go." <laughs> so <laughs> and, that and, night, and leave. That's, that's when it happened. And, and leave and, and leave the neighborhood, and we're going to leave the restaurant. It was a blossoming restaurant. I think. I think my dad said in the '80s they saved in two years they saved fifty grand, which is a lot of money back you know back then. back then in the '80s. And so they took that money and, and bought a convenience store and moved to the rural parts of Georgia and raised us mm-hmm. there. And then from there, you obviously decided to go into a more professional tech-driven. It was or- yeah. It, the the emphasis was do well in school, mm-hmm. go to a great college, and great get a get a great job. Yeah, and that's what so, you did. And I listened well (laughs) for being the firstborn. Firstborn Korean-American. Being the responsible sister, taking care of the siblings. Mm -hmm. I just did what they asked me to do, and I did. And how long were you in that industry and that career before you decided to change it up? Yeah. um, So I've been in corporate, you know, life, you know, since after college, you know. Two thousand four is when I graduated, and since then, it's, so it's been a <laughs> been a long, a long time. Run, yeah, you started your label last year, right? And how did this happen? Like all of a sudden, you were like, you know what? I'm just gonna go for it. Was it like that, or is was it a long time coming? Yeah. So you know, I turned forty, <laughs> <laughs> and I started doing a lot of more. I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. I started doing a lot more self-reflection and thinking about how do I want to live my life for the next 20, 30 years. Uh-huh. It all started with that. Uh-huh. What do I, you know, what is it that I love? I've always loved music. And it just made sense to me with my business background and love for music. 
So you know what? I think I'm just gonna try. What's it gonna hurt? And that was it. it and it was simple as that. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. Seventy courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, your passion for music is there, but like, why K-pop? Why Korean? I said, you know what? I want to do something in music business. But I didn't know how. Like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, like, am I <laughs> going to become a singer? Right. Like, what, what do you do? Or you know, how do you run a what's a record label? I didn't even know the term. I didn't understand the meaning of a record label mm-hmm. until I went to go visit an attorney, an entertainment attorney. I had to sit down with her, and I said, this is what I want to do, X, Y, Z. She goes, that's called a record label, Heather. Oh. <laughs> You're like, oh. Okay. Then what What do I, how do I do this? And and so I was struggling with that, and then and then my, and I was visiting Korea, and my parents said, hey, uh, we know somebody in the music industry. Maybe he'll, he can give you some expertise and, you know, mm-hmm. some mentorship. Great. So I flew there, met with him. He happens to own one of the largest labels in Korea. 
and almost one of the largest band, boy bands of all time. And he was telling me, hey. Who is it? Okay, oh. so <laughs> he is a CEO of formerly YMC Entertainment. Okay. So now I think it's called Swing Entertainment. And who's the boy band? The boy band is called 101. Okay. Have you heard of? I mean, I'm sorry, my K-pop okay, okay. knowledge is yeah. so um, bad but, right now. But they own like Produce 101. Okay. And they do all the, the reality, making of the band kind of oh, thing okay. show. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I met with him, and he was telling me, hey, we're touring in the U.S. Like, no way. I had no clue that K-pop was on this rise. Mm-hmm. And this was last this year? This was just 20, two years? 2018. Okay, 2018. 2018. Okay, two years ago. Yeah, and then it got me thinking. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me about the Atlanta market. He was telling me about K-pop. I just, it was just mind-blowing, kind of eye-opening education for me. And so with that rise, I was thinking there's there's their demand in the U.S., came back home, did a lot of research, started making phone calls, and then one thing led to another. And I pitched this idea to this amazing producer. He's Grammy Award-winning producer. Mm-hmm. And he says, yes, Heather, you're, you're on to something. Let's do this. And so it just started with that. It was just a, it was just a simple like, conversation, great idea, let's do it. And passion. That's right. And it was based out of here in Atlanta. And I feel like that's a really important point, right? Because obviously there are many like in New York or L.A., but like Atlanta, you're a native here. So what about this growing, crazy Asian population in Atlanta? That's probably what kind of drove you to this, right? Honestly, I didn't think, I wasn't even thinking about the Asian population. Oh, you weren't? You were just like, I just want to do this. Well, I, f- I learned that K-pop, sure, it, it has that, that baseline of the Asian. But what was more surprising to me was it really was becoming more accepted by the non-Americans, mm-hmm. non-Asians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go to like KCON, it's pretty wild. It's, N- not a lot of people are a Korean. Yeah, that's so true. And then when I started doing my market research stuff, so I'll, my market research was go to a K-pop concert. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and I went and, and I looked all around me. I didn't see a single Korean. Which K-pop concert did you go to? I actually went to, the first one I ever went to was, they're fairly popular. Mm-hmm. They've been around for a long time. And I went and I looked all around me. I was more fascinated. I had my camera. I was more fascinated with the fan. With the, the fans, fans more than the actual performance. Performance, I was like, oh, that's good, you know. But mm-hmm. then I'm like, look at this fan base. Yeah, it was just, um, it was just a diverse group of people, and they were, they loved it. Mm-hmm. They were singing along this Korean song, mm-hmm. saying all the Korean words better than I could ever sing it. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. And then, incredible. Uh, and that was in Atlanta, or was that, that was here at Georgia State? Are there a lot of uh, K-pop concerts in Georgia right now? There are. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I started tracking was just in 2018 or 2019 alone, I was tracking average four mm-hmm. four bands come through Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Every year. I mean, do you, yeah, you don't, per, per month. Per, per month. month. Per month. So that's, you know. And are they like performing when they come to Atlanta or what yeah, are they doing here? They're concerts. Concerts. Just like if you go to a Sam Smith concert, you know. And they're like all getting sold out and. Yeah, I mean, don't quote me on the numbers. Probably have to do some more research, mm-hmm. but I mean, that was just my own kind of personal data research, just mm-hmm. just tracking it and looking at Facebook events and things like that. So, on average, I'd say four minimum four concerts or to, you know bands coming mm-hmm. through Atlanta per month. That's incredible. incredible. And sold out. You know, like two thousand, three thousand seats sold out. I think one, you know, Blackpink came through. Of course, mm-hmm. that was a big one. 
you know, ten thousand seats. Mazda X, you know, the more recent bigger ones came through, but even twenty nineteen, you know, Eric Nam, he's from Atlanta, by the way. Is um, he from Atlanta? Yeah, yeah. Um, he he had a a big, you know, like a three thousand seater. Show a couple weeks ago. Are there a lot of K-pop stars that are born out of Atlanta? Besides um, Eric, I don't. <clears throat> I think another one is the rapper Sani. But that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to sign people from the Atlanta area, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, the, essentially, why you know why go to Korea? Do it here. Yeah, grow it here. There's a demand here. Do it I, or, organically here. And how has it been for you? We started. Like the whole audition process in early 2019, we've signed since then four artists mm-hmm. or trainees is what they're called, and so they've been training these four artists for a year. For for we signed them in May, so a little bit less than a year, and they start training in June. Yeah, so it's been like and six, what's seven that process months. like? So they so they're trainees. And obviously, I'm like a total noob in this sure. world because I don't know how that works. So you sign, you, they audition, and they send it through digitally, or do they come in audition? Yeah, so it's a process. You first you submit your your online, you know, audition. Mm-hmm. If you get selected, you get invited into for in person interview mm-hmm. and audition, mm-hmm. and then from there you get selected. How is your process of Finding these talents, do you just have a feeling, or what do you look for? Definitely have to have some baseline skill set. You mm-hmm. know, vocals, dance, or have some some affinity for it. But more importantly, I'd say too is we look for character, personality, integrity, work ethic, having discipline, training to be a recording artist is a very I say it's very similar to like training to be an athlete or a it's basketball player. It's very intense. Player. It's very intense. Every day is a full-time job. You come in. They come in every morning. They do their scales. They do the warm-ups. They run a mile and sing at the same time mm-hmm. every morning. And then they go into their kind of routine performance show stuff. If they're not doing that, they're in the recording studio, you know, making an album, making, you know, making songs and mm-hmm. And learning production as well, so they're constantly working. And and who is training these trainees? So we have a band manager, and she really kind of just stays on top of them, making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, and making sure we have deliverables. And then we also have a talent developer. He's on our team, and he's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got huge credentials. He's got he's America's Got Talent guy. He was on So You Think You Can Dance. So he's an incredible dancer, singer. Musician, pianist, and producer. He does it all. He and he does it professionally, even to this day. So he's really taking all those skills that he has and really just pouring it back into the trainees, which is incredible. I'm super grateful for. His name is KP, or we call him KP, but Kenneth Pario. He's been incredible. Just just keeping them disciplined, going through. I mean, it's a mundane thing too. At yeah. the same time, because it's just like come in, you got to do your work. Yeah. Yeah, just you like gotta train. Just just like anything yeah. else you do in life. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it, they're putting in their work right now. And then what happens? When do you know when they're ready to go out? One of the things that we do differently too is we already have them out 
out uh-huh. in the market. So they're like they're all like on our social. Uh-huh. Um, Meaning what? Like they're they go, they're going on auditions or oh, so when we say out, we're talking about they're going out there and doing performances. Okay, we'll get booked gigs mm-hmm. and things like that. So they're already out. Okay, but our followers know them to be as trainees. Yeah, they're out as trainees, mm-hmm. not necessarily as debut artists yet. So how do we know? They just have to be ready, mm-hmm. like mentally, stamina-wise, professionally. You know, there's 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 so many different things that we look at when we know. Okay, this person is ready to go out and and get get an album done and then perform fifty hundred shows. Yeah, <laughs> right. One so, curious thing is, I was looking at the artists that you signed, and not all of them are Korean. That's right. Right? But they're technically K-pop stars. I'm curious about that. Like, what what does that mean? You're sticking to Asian Americans, but not necessarily Koreans, but they're doing K-pop. Can you talk a little bit about that? Three of our artists um, or trainees are Korean American. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two of them were actually born in New York. Oh, really? Right? Mm-hmm. So they're Korean American. They have that background. And then Trinity, she's she's half Vietnamese and half Caucasian. But when we say K-pop, we're starting off as a K-pop group doing K-pop cover songs. In addition to that, we're recording music that is kind of in tangent or to K-pop genre. Okay. So in that sense, it's K-pop with Korean lyrics and things like that. I was curious because what personifies K-pop anyway to you or to the public? That's a great question. It's the whole package. K-pop is, you know, the, the way I see it is more than a genre itself. It's a brand. It's the whole, the way they do music videos, makeup, performances, dancing and singing at the same time. It's the whole package is what in my mind, is what makes up K-pop. And also the type of music, obviously. The music is beautiful. And even my producers would say the same thing. What's so incredible about K-pop is it's a mix of different genres. Right. It's not just one singular thing. It's like you take a piece of urban, right, or hip-hop, and you take a piece of EDM, and you can take a piece of this and that and mesh it up and then put it and turn it upside down. And then on top of that, you have these beautiful kids, you know, mm-hmm. with makeup and style and doing this beautiful choreography. So it's like, it's pretty intense when you, if you think about it. It's not just, oh, be a best singer or just be a best, you got to put it all as a package. It, That's it, why you say it's a brand, really. I, I would say it's more of a brand. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the reasons why it's reaching so many different demographic in different countries and is breaking those barriers because it's not just a, a music play, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, a brand like Nike or yeah. Puma, you know? It's a brand. <laughs> Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. 
Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie-loving friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I was actually talking to a K-pop music producer, and he said the more unexpected turns that you have in the music, when he's like writing the music, the more popular and the more people love it. So it's, it's a lot of these, like, different things, right? I just think that's why K-pop is so unique. If you kind of think about the, the way—so here's my music ears kind of talking now. If, you, if I listen to it, if you listen to other genres like Urban Fur—we'll just pick on Urban Fur now. It's, like, one of the most popular. Like, mm-hmm. rap is so popular. It's kind of like this two-dimensional road, right? You kind of—you can anticipate what's going to come, and there's this pattern recognition— in K-pop, you don't know what What's you're going to turn. I mean, <laughs> yeah. every eight beats, it's like rap, and then, oh, that's another turn. And now jazz, and now this, and now that, you know? It's like, what's that saxophone there, <laughs> you know? And on top of that, what's so incredible about it is the choreography. The visual effect is what makes K-pop K-pop. It's not right. just that here, what you hear is beautiful, what you hear, but then visually... Your eyes are, like, moved Mm -hmm. with the music. Right, right. That's why the music videos are so elaborate, and they're, like, really insane to watch. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, they are. And the choreography. That's right. The dance. It's the choreography. I've seen some of the, you know, kind of simpler music videos. I mean, you can just watch it. The older BTS music videos, 
was so clean and simple, like one-dimensional scene kind of thing. But the mm-hmm. choreography goes, it t- twists and turns with the music. And so you can't help but stay glued to the screen yeah. and wondering what's going to happen next. Do you think that this all came from your love of Korean culture and your heritage in the end? Because you're passionate Absolutely. about it. Absolutely, yeah. I was introduced to K-pop, the original OGs of OGs. When I was a little kid, I must have been and who, what, who nine was or ten. Was it like Hoteji? It was Hoteji Idol. I mean, it was them, and I watched it on videotape you know, back in VCR yeah. days. Yeah, and I loved them so much. It was like rewind and play, rewind and play, right? Like a hundred times, you know. And I mean, that was kind of like my fo- my first love for K-pop. I remember those days. Yeah, yeah. it was special. <laughs> It was special. But here's what I here's what I would say too. I never thought in a million years that I would ever see that the K-pop of what I knew back then be accepted and not but winning in the market in, it's incredible. in the world. Right. I never thought I would see in my lifetime a modern version of Sateji Idol Idols on YouTube was, you know, a billion views. Or the modern version of Sateji is BTS, right? On I was I was working out the other day. I'm sitting here going through the channels <laughs> on my on my elliptical machine and I see BTS on today's show with a hundred thousand people lined up on in Times Square wanting to see the, just a glimpse of them. It's really about the fans. I, I just never thought yeah. that even Korean honestly, even Korean culture, even Korean food, because of parts of where I grew up would ever be accepted and be winning in the market. Not only be accepted, but just winning too, mm-hmm. which is incredible. And you wanted to be a part of it. That's that's where your passion really lies. It just made sense. You know, it, like puzzles, you know, make sense. It just, I don't know. I just it's like, know. what do you want to do for the rest of your Next life? 20, 30 yeah. years. You want to stick to your people. What I know and mm-hmm. the culture and what I'm, uh, this is, my root, my heritage, and I don't want to forget that. I love it. What is the future of your label and your new business? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you want? I don't know what the future holds. I just have a lot of deliriously optimistic about the future. Which way this turns, I have no idea. Just like K-pop. Any songs. <laughs> just um, like K-pop. I'm stepping one foot in front of the other, but I'm... I'm very optimistic of what this could become. And <clears throat> music is such a, and I was having this conversation with publicists earlier today, music has such, become such a, a commodity play, right? What do you mean by that? It's easy to get, easy access. Yeah. Free, you know? It's everywhere, it's online. Everywhere, you know, millions of streams here and there, Spotify, everywhere. I know what I don't want. We're not just going to be another, like, music play or a K-pop band trying to make it. You know, I kind of see more as a, okay, the first stepping stone for us is K-pop. Now what? You know, where could this turn into a more of a, a brand play where we really make it as this, wow, you know, they start as K-pop, they're from Atlanta, how cool is that? And then something else could happen, you know, some more adventures. In some ways, it's kind of like hacking culture in, in a way. What's so incredible about Atlanta, too, is the, this is where culture culture happens in Atlanta. <laughs> a lot of culture happens yeah. in Atlanta. Music culture happens in Atlanta. Imagine, like, I was, like, why not? I was, talk, I was talking to my team the other day. Mm-hmm. Why not bring 
you know, what we're already doing well in K-pop, but then bring other, you know, how about country? How about, you know, blues? How about R&B? How about, like, things that we're now exploring and being being able to experiment mm-hmm. and then put all the visual stuff there, too, at the, the whole K-pop stuff as well. So doing something <clears throat> different. Yeah, but it's, not, yeah, it's different. <clears throat> but I think everyone seeks to try to be different, but it's more... It's more than that. I think it's an adventure and it's this journey that we're taking and having just this optimism about the future for YMG. So I can't wait to see what's in the future for you guys. Where can we find your talent? Like where where can we find your K pop group? Yeah, so we have an Instagram page, um, is at, at official dot YMG underscore ENT. Mm-hmm. So that's where we do all our posts. We have a Facebook site as well and our website. Does your band have a name? Yes and no. We started playing with this band name NRG. Okay. And it stands for Oh my gosh, for, NRG used to be the nineties K pop group. That's exactly right. So <laughs> I, I know. I remember. You, you remember, right? Yes. So it's, it's um next rising generation. Okay. Is what we came up with. Until, and we had no idea, until we started getting <laughs> a lot of the ca- comments and feedback saying, you know, the NRG is a 90s K-pop yeah. band. And, of course, we were like, oh, <laughs> sorry. And so now <laughs> I was a fan of them. So. Yeah, so the fans are coming to us about that. And that was, you know, good to know. And so now we're looking at exploring other mm-hmm. band names out of respect for the 90s K-pop band. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you should check them out though. I, I used to love their music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm all about the '90s K-pop. Oh so, yeah, for yeah. sure. That's my generation. <laughs> H.O.T. H.O.T. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Heather, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to see what's in your future for YMG Entertainment. But I do have something special for you. I cooked one of your favorite dishes, and this wow. is what I do for all of my guests. And Saving the best for last. <laughs> of course, it do, it's always the last segment, and honestly, to to do this, it's a, it's a lot of work because you know I'm like I just flew in this morning, you know. I was gonna say, how in the world did you cook and travel and land in the, the busiest airport <laughs> in the world? Exactly, and um, Marcy, my producer, she literally landed, got her car, and she was like, "Esther, I'm gonna go food shopping for you because like timing wasn't." right for her to like come pick me up and we go yeah so she was like facetiming with me and i had to like show her what to buy which was hilarious (laughs) hilarious and obviously one of the dishes that you picked was one like it's just not a common korean dish which now you know what i cooked for you right because i'm not gonna make kimchi here because i don't have time to ferment um it's it's too typical and i've already made it for um another guest so we have agujim left. Amazing. Yes. My favorite dish. Mm-hmm. It smells so good. Oh my gosh. I hope you like it. So it's agujim, your favorite. Ooh. Wow. So do you want to explain your um, fondest memory of agujim and mm. why this is your favorite dish? Probably goes back five years when I was first introduced to agujim in Korea, in Busan. Oh, the best place. The, the city of Agujim. Uh-huh. I went to this little tiny family-owned restaurant. I heard it was the best fish place, and I do love stewed fish. And I had the best Agujim there, and I will never forget that. Oh, man, that's big shoes so to fill. I've been looking <laughs> everywhere <laughs> for that comparable, and this smells incredible. Please try it. I'm sitting, I'm already, I can already tell you, I'm in bliss <laughs> mode right now. I'm so happy. <laughs> I love when people just like love food so much. 
right? Like I love it. All of the I guests can swim in this. <laughs> okay, now you gotta eat it. Okay, and, and tell me the truth, obviously, because I had to make this on the fly. I was gonna say this is a pretty hard dish to pull off. Yeah, um, and obviously I have to reheat tra- it. And so. you're traveling, so <laughs> how did you even accomplish okay. such a big feat? <laughs> I will tell you after you okay, take, so a I, I still bites, take a few bites. Okay, take a few bites. All right, I gotta try the. Like, I love cucumber, so I got. Yeah. I want that. Wow. Hmm. This is so good. This. The sauce is incredibly rich and spicy, and oh man, this actually mm. is taking me back to Kusan, <laughs> Esther. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so a big good. compliment. So good. I can't compare to those um, the Kusan oh people who have been making this for years and it, years. It, hey, you're incredibly talented. Chef, this is so there are a little bit of bones, but mm-hmm. you know, it's monkfish. So, agochim is a monkfish stew that's been braised in this like really spicy sauce, and it has lots of bean sprouts, which I think is the best part of agochim, mm-hmm. right? I love the crunchiness of the bean sprouts and how the fish, what I love about agu, this gym is it's not fishy. It like the meat. It's like it melts. Yeah, and it's not. It doesn't have a fishy flavor at mm-hmm. all. It's actually a very clean taste. Very fish. clean fish, and it just melts in your mouth. Like, how do you describe it? Almost like, kind of like jello, but 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 with texture. I love it. Can I eat more? Please. We we <laughs> want to hear the sounds. And what you're hearing, guys, it's that's the bean sprouts. And I, the crunchiness of the bean sprouts really complement the texture of the fish, like the softness. And yeah, I know what you mean by it's like kind of chewy, but very soft at the same time. Mm-hmm. The fish, the texture of the fish. Chewy yet melts. Yeah, and I love that it's like cut into these like little tiny pieces. And I love that the bone is still att- mm-hmm. like in there. Because that's kind of like the fun of it. You kind of like eat it with your hands and, you know, you eat around the bones. And um, it's just such a rustic, you know, homey dish. And I love that it's incredibly spicy. And it's, it's funny because I, I saw you, you wrote aguchim on it, on the thing. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> I have to travel to Atlanta and that day somehow <laughs> shop for monkfish and all of these other ingredients and like cook this like smelly stew somewhere <laughs> but um, so a block away from our hotel our executive producers friends live in this like really cute house and they were so generous to lend me their kitchen for the next few mm. days to cook for all of my guests um, so that's what I'm going to be doing I'm going to be walking a block over from our hotel 
using these uh, very generous people's kitchen and like stinking up their home with like <laughs> massive Korean food. But in turn, I leave half of it for them to enjoy as well. So they're having this for dinner right now. Nice. So I, I would say that's a good exchange, right? Yeah, totally like, fair. I would totally. love for you to come into my kitchen anytime <laughs> to think of my house. Right. <laughs> and make your aguchi. Yes. <laughs> it's heavenly. How was it? How was it? Did delicious. Like- I want to eat more. So this is your first time trying my food. It's delicious. I have to come visit your restaurant. Now, yes, you do. Now that I know about, yeah. Aguchi, thank you for having that on the list because it was really fun to make it and I literally had to make it in like three minutes and I was like oh my gosh yeah I had to pick the hardest dish right right? (laughs) thank you so much Heather thank you oh my gosh you're welcome this was such a pleasure and what an honor what an honor to be here with you oh thank you it was an honor to cook for you and I'm so happy you love the food and that's our show thanks for listening if you like what you heard please subscribe and leave us a five star review Get Down with K-Town is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by our executive producer, Christopher Hasiotis, and me, Esther Choi. Follow me on all social media at Choi Bites. And I'd also like to thank our producer, editor, and mixer, Marcy DePina. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Ready? Okay. Give me a beat. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.